Well, you know how we begin every one of these teachings out of Jude. Hey, Jude. Yep, we're looking at the book of Jude. So if you've got your Bibles with you, turn with me. We're going to read beginning at verse 8. And I'm going to, of course, flash it up here. But as always, I want you to stand for the reading of just one, this first verse. I'll tell you what, this book of Jude is so powerful, so awesome, so profound. How many of you were here last week? I'm still getting uh, feedback from last week. Jude is a powerful little book, one chapter, but it's a life changer. So let's put it up here and let's all read it together. Jude 1 verse 8, likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Now, we'll just stop right there. That's the verse. Father, we just thank you for your word. Bless it to our hearts. Lord God, shine on us, and may the great teacher of the church, the Holy Ghost, make this come alive to us. In Christ's name, amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell him, good to see you tonight. It's going to be good. Perk up and listen. I read, uh, I was reading something a, a woman wrote. She had been visiting several churches, and she was mad. And she put this posting on the Internet. She was mad about these churches she'd gone to. And she listed several things she didn't want these churches to do. She was just kind of venting. If I could talk to the pastors, the preachers, and the leaders of these churches, here's what I would say. And she vented. And one of the things that she said was, quit telling me to talk to the person next to me. And I thought, well, that just shot me right there. She says, because I'm, I'm single and I come alone and I don't want to have to turn and talk to somebody who's with other people. And I was thinking, why not? That's what you ought to want to do if you're alone. But anyway, I figured I gained no points with her. All right, now, here's Jude dealing with false teachers. Now, please keep in mind, as I've been sharing with you, so many of the epistles that you read all the time, those letters from Paul, from Peter, now from Jude, so many of them were written to counter false teaching, to answer it, to contest it, to clarify the muddied waters of false teaching with the truth. Immediately, the early church came under attack by false teaching. And I'm going to tell you something, brethren. When the enemy attacks you and me, it's always going to be between your two ears. It's always going to be in your mind. He uses reasonings. He uses arguments against God. His intent is to dilute, pollute, water down, muddy the understanding of Jesus Christ, to undermine his person and his work. Because if he can successfully do that, I think the Da Vinci Code will be a great example. I haven't read it. I don't need to read it. I'm probably going to do a little Wednesday night on it sometime soon and just answer the five major errors in the, in the Da Vinci Code. I'm not going to waste my time reading it. I'm, I'm too into reading things that matter to me. But I can tell you this, having read about it, I know that one of the contentions in the book is that Jesus married Mary Magdalene and they had children. And now those descendants from Jesus are alive and well on the earth and so on and so forth. See, that undermines the person and the work of Christ. These people who go on 
television and radio and say, oh, you know, it's just a novel. It doesn't really matter. It, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I heard one guy say, it doesn't matter to me if Jesus was married or not. Well, he was a fool. Because the whole message of Christ is he was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, did not father children, that he died the only begotten Son of God, rose from the dead on our behalf, and now sits at the right hand of the throne of God and makes intercession for us continuously. The Bible never places Jesus with any woman. So it undermines scriptural integrity. It undermines the validity, the veracity, the truthfulness of Scripture. Now, that matters to me because I believe the testimony of Scripture about itself. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. How much of it? All of it. So if you tell me all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, then I turn around and tell you, well, maybe so, maybe not. I happen to believe that Jesus was married and and fathered children and so on and so forth, you have just called the word a liar. So it matters. You know why I'm teaching books like this? Because if anyone understands the teaching of the church, it ought to be the church. The church. The only reason the faith of some people is being overthrown by something as bizarre as the Da Vinci Code is because they've not been grounded in the Word of God at all. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Faith is torn down by not hearing the Word of God. All right? So here's Jude, and I got to tell you, Jude is the most vicious against false teachers. I mean, he is seething with righteous indignation. So he's about to start leveling them, and he's not out to win friends. We're going to see and, and next week, it's going to get even worse. So don't miss next week because it's going to get even stronger. But here he is now. Like when he talks about these dreamers, he's talking about the false teachers. Likewise, also, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority. And they speak evil of dignitaries. All right, that's three things he takes issue with them about. Now, here we go. Likewise means in the same way. Well, in the same way as who? In the same way as who? Who did we look at last week? The angels that fell, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, and the children of Israel who perished in the wilderness. So the these, the these, these dreamers defile the flesh, likewise means in the same way. Likewise means just like those three groups of people, these dreamers are the same. Okay? Though they have these fearful examples in front of them, the false teachers persist in their sin in the same fashion as those he just described, the fallen children of Israel, the fallen angels, and the people who were consumed in Sodom and Gomorrah. He said they ought to be looking at what God did with those people and say, I'm not teaching false doctrine. I'm not going to de deny Christ. I'm not going to walk against the will of God. But Jude is making the case, it doesn't bother him at all. It doesn't bother him at all. So speaking of the false teachers, he holds firmly in the crosshairs. He continues, these dreamers, what does he mean when he's talking about dreamers? These dreamers means to be beguiled with sensual images and carried away to an impious 
course of conduct. He's first, he's painting these teachers now as sensually driven, not controlled by the Holy Spirit. All right? He calls them dreamers. Some of your versions probably puts filthy in front of it. I want to call this message filthy dreamers, but I just I couldn't settle with that. We'll just call them dreamers. What did I call it? I changed it. Yeah, filthy dream. I did call them filthy. All right. Filthy dreamers and dirty rebels. Man, there's a title. Filthy dreamers and dirty rebels. Boy, that just, that just sounds bad, doesn't it? Now, here's, here's what he's intimating about them. They are people who have been beguiled with sensual images and carried away into immoral conduct. Now, when I read that, do you think anything about the American culture at all? People beguiled by sensual images? How many of you are finding it difficult to watch just normal TV? Has it occurred to you that, that what's on normal TV, if it had come on normal TV 30 years ago, they'd have all been arrested and thrown in jail? But watch this now. The devil's way is to incrementally seduce. He incrementally seduces. He doesn't take you from A to Z. He takes you down that slippery slope where there's no signpost, no warnings, you don't realize that you're on a, a, a descending, in a descending mode. He, he, what shocked you last year doesn't shock you anymore. So then you're left there for a while, and then he comes along with something even worse, shocks you with that. The shock wears off, you get used to it, you go further down. He comes along the next year, shocks you again. When you're over the shock and you get used to it, he comes again. And before you know it, you've taken a stair step down. You have gone down a very precarious stairway until finally you're at Z. And when you get to Z and someone points out A, you're shocked. How did I get to Z? You got there step by step by step. And that's called desensitizing your conscience. That's what's happened in America. So that America that used to be moral, used to be uh, uh, basically conservative in its beliefs, uh, uh, 50 years ago, you never had a preacher step into a pulpit and not preach Christ. And sin, and the Word, all these things. Now, you got motivational success teachers, very little about Christ, very, almost nothing about sin. And now America has gone down the steps where things that would have shocked us beyond belief 30 years ago, now we just look at it without even batting an eye. That's why it's so important that you stay in the Word because the Word will keep you at A while the rest of the culture goes down to Z. The Word will keep you. If you get down to B and C, if you're in the Word every day, it grabs you and says, hey, you go, oh, I'm in C. What am I doing? And you go back to A. Thus says the Lord. And it keeps you there while the rest of the culture doesn't have an absolute. And so down it goes. Down it goes. That's what had happened to these people. Dreamers. People who were just so filled with sensual fantasy that they were beguiled into a totally immoral lifestyle. These false teachers were enslaved to and carried away by lustful images in their imaginations. 
It reminds one of Moses' description of the people in Noah's day. What were they like in Noah's day? Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only, only, not sometimes, only evil all day long, continually. How'd they get there? How did that happen? Step by step by step with nothing to pull them back. That's why it's so important to be in a, in a church that preaches and ministers the Word. Because what does it do every single time we hear it? it? It grabs us as the culture and the enemy is trying to pull us down that stairwell. And it, it constantly sets us back into A. Here we go. Here we go. Come on. And the Word's always pulling us up. As long as you're in the Word, it will pull you up. It'll pull you up. Amen? All right. Now, when it says they defile the flesh, the word defile means to pollute, to sully, to contaminate, and to soil in a physical and a moral sense. The word flesh is speaking of literal flesh. And so Jude is referring to immorality acted out. That's what these false teachers were involved in. That's what these false teachers were involved in. Watch this, everybody. More times than not, a person's theology is dictated by their morality. Now, I want you to remember that I said that. Because you listen to somebody who gives you license to go sin, who, who, who uh, is not clear about what is right and wrong, and, and you feel like, well, I can live any old way I want to and go to that church. Somewhere in that church, their morality is dictating their theology. So when you accept the word as being totally true and you say, amen, Lord Jesus, however you tell me to live, I'm going to do it, then that morality will form your theology. You will not try to twist the word, but you'll just minister it as it is. But these people were twisting the word. Their theology was serving their morality. So they were out teaching the church false teachings that fostered immoral living. And Jude is seeing red. He's just seeing red. Now, the word reject is to do away with something. Lay down or establish. It can also mean to thwart, nullify, make void, or frustrate the ability of something to bring about a desired result. It said they reject authority. False teachers, people who do not cleave to the Word, will reject. See, if you reject this, you have rejected God's authority. The minute you say, well, you know, I'm just going to go my own way. I, I don't know about that Bible. I think I'd, you know, I think I'd take out Job. I'd take out some things in the Gospels. I think I'd take out this and that. And the other. I'm just going to kind of go according to the dictates of my own heart. What you're doing is you're rejecting God's authority. And when you reject God's authority, it's only a matter of time before you're in a train wreck. You're in a train wreck. Now, the false teachers on Jude's mind had sought to thwart and nullify God's authority. So how'd they do it? Well, they went speaking evil. They speak evil of who, everybody? Dignitaries. He says, these false teachers have rejected God's authority 
They've rejected the word. They're living immoral lifestyles. And then he said they, they didn't stop there, but they've gotten worse. Down the stair steps, they've gone. Now they're speaking evil of dignitaries. Well, what's a dignitary? And what does it mean when it says they spoke evil? How serious was that? Well, speak evil comes from the Greek word blasphemio. Blasphemio, meaning to speak reproachfully of, rail at, and revile. Now, this is where you get into the, the power of the words of the, of the tongue, the power of the tongue to, to bring blessing or curse to your life. Blessing or cursing, good or bad. Because here's these people, now they're turning their attention upward and they're beginning to blaspheme God's dignitaries. Now, folks, I happen to believe in the spirit world there are lines. There's lines. Sort of lines in the sand. And I think it's one thing to go off into an immoral lifestyle. I think it's another thing to reject authority. But you are crossing another line when you turn your rebellion up towards heaven because here's what you're doing. You're doing just what Satan did when he fell. It says Satan looked up and said, I will be like the most high. And he spoke blasphemy. And that is when God said like Popeye, I've had all I can stands. I can't stands no more. And that's when Satan was hurled to the earth, became a disembodied spirit, and a third of the angelic powers rebelled with him, and they became demons. So here they go now. They've stepped down another step. Speak evil, blaspheming, speaking reproachfully, railing at and reviling dignitaries. Well, what's the dignitaries? Dignitaries literally means glorious ones or glories, the angelic orders. It refers to someone or a being that possesses a dominion. So these, these false teachers that has got Jude seeing red, and he's written a letter to counter them and nail them and identify them and expose them, have now turned and they're beginning to blaspheme against God's holy angels. Now, I'm going to go where maybe sometimes angels fear to tread, no pun intended. But I hear people say, you know, I was taking a shower and an angel began talking to me, appeared to me and began talking to me. Or I was in my room and an angel appeared and we just sat there and chatted and and this informal, supposed interaction that somebody had with an angel. And listen, Christian bookstores are filled with books that testify to this kind of thing. So let me just give you my humble opinion because that's all that it is. And I, I believe it is based on Scripture. If you see a real angel, you don't say, hey, What's going on? How's the weather in heaven, man? No. If you see a real glorious one, a real angel, you are on your face, you are afraid for your life, 
you are trembling, you are weeping, you are every time an angel appeared, virtually every time, even to the shepherds, keeping watch over their flock by night when the angels appeared, just praising God, they had to tell them, fear not. When Daniel saw the angel, it says that he became white as chalk, his hands began to tremble, he got on his face and wondered if this was home-going time. That's, we can't, we cannot humanize angels because they're not human. Now, they may take on a human form and you may entertain an angel according to Hebrews 13 verse 1, I believe. You may entertain an angel not knowing it, God testing you to see how much Christian love you're showing, but that's only if he veils himself or masks himself in a human form. If you see an angel as an angel, it's a glorious one. They shine like the sun. They are hugely powerful. They are stunning to the human perception. It's, it's an awesome, life-changing thing. You, you never forget it. And the only reason I'm going into this is, is to show you how, um, how terribly sinful it was for these false teachers to blaspheme, to rail at these glorious dignitary. All an angel would have to do is this, and we would all be dead. Because they're going to stand at the end of the earth. You read Revelations. They stand at the end of the earth. They dry up whole oceans. I mean, they, they will be standing overseeing the end of time. It is an angel that is going to gather God's harvest. I mean, they're awesome beings. So the idea behind verse 8, and I want us to really catch this now. This is the gist of verse 8, is that the result of indulgence in degrading lusts was the loss of reverence, the inability to recognize true greatness and due degrees of honor. These false t teachers refused to show proper reverence for angelic beings. They had been so sullied, so hard of heart, that they had no sense to even show respect to angels. One of the clear earmarks of somebody who's been walking with God for a while is when they encounter the authority of God in any fashion, they immediately honor it. Immediately. Oh, there's God. I honor it. There is a respect and a reverence, a fear of the Lord. There, there is an awestruckness about somebody who knows God and encounters something divine. Amen? But people who walk in sin, they can have angels walk by them. They show no respect. All right, let's read the expanded translation. Here's straight out of the Greek. Let's read it together, can we? In the same manner, nevertheless, also these who are beguiled with sensual images and carried away to an impious course of conduct defile indeed the flesh and set at naught authority and speak evil of preeminence. Wow. Christians ought to be exactly the opposite of what we just read. All right, now verse 9. Now here we come to Michael. 
Yet Michael, can we read it together? Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now here's Michael, the number one, numero uno, the top dog angel. He's it. He's the number one archangel in all of glory who stands at the end of time and oversees many of the events that wrap up this world. He confronts Satan in a dispute over the body of Moses, and even he's got the sense to remember from whence Satan has come, and he does not personally rebuke him. He says, the Lord rebuke you, the Lord In comparison to the treatment of angels by these false teachers, Jude examines Michael, the archangel, and his treatment of a fallen angel, Satan. Jude here shares with us something of sheer revelation as it is not revealed in any other part of Scripture. That is, the battle over Moses' body between Michael and Satan. Jude is telling us when Moses died, there was a battle. Satan actually came for the body. Satan came for the body. And there was a dispute over that body between two opposing, powerful, angelic beings. No one else tells us about this. You don't find it anywhere else in the Bible. That they had a contest. There was, a, there was an argument about it. This is what Jude tells us. So, Pastor Jeff, do you, do you believe this? Yes. Why? Because Jude is in the canon. Jude is in our Bible. And Jude being in the Bible, then we say Jude is absolutely accurate in this revelation. It was given to him by God. So absolutely we believe it. So there was a dispute. Can you imagine that? Michael, the the mighty archangel, disputing with the devil. The devil's saying, I want this body. I want Moses' body. You think he didn't have a little pent-up fury at Moses? I want his body. Michael said, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. And Moses' body, of course, was preserved by God. Archangel is taken from the Greek word archangelos, from arche, which means first, and angelos, when you see two G's in Greek language, that's how they get the N-G sound. So, A-G-G, we would say Aggie, but if it was Greek, they say Angie. It's kind of like that. All right, now, the word meaning chief of the angels. Michael was the chief of the angels. We find Michael, whose name means who is like God, mentioned a whole lot in Scripture. I want you to notice how powerful this being was who was disputing over the body of Moses. Daniel 10, 13 says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Now this is, Daniel wrote this down, the angel who was bringing an answer to prayer to Daniel ran into the devil in the second heaven. The angel that is speaking here in Daniel 10, 13 is explaining to Daniel from the very first day that you prayed, I was released with the answer to your prayer. But it took me 21 days to get here. Why? Because when I was coming with the answer from God, the very first day you began to pray, Daniel, the prince of Persia, which is a picture of the devil, withstood me in the heavenly places. And Michael had to be dispatched 
to give me the victory with him so that I could bring you the answer to your prayer, Daniel. That's why some of you are praying about some things and it seems like it's just not getting through. It could be you're being resisted in the second heaven by a, a, an evil power and you need to keep praying until God's angels, God brings you a breakthrough and you get your answer. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. He says, for I have been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. That's the Michael we're reading about in Jude. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel. There's only one, and that's Michael. So when the rapture of the church happens, everybody, an archangel is going to shout, and that archangel is Michael. He's going to shout. I don't know what he's going to shout. Amen, maybe. I don't know. But in the middle of the rapture of God's church, Michael is going to shout the voice of the archangel. Now look what happened. It says contending means to dispute or argue. There was an argument, a contention over the body of Moses. Reviling is once again blasphemia. Accusation means judgment. The two words reviling accusation mean a judgment pronounced in reproachful terms. One commentator writes, Michael remembered the highest state from which Lucifer fell and left his sentence to God. Michael knew, I'm looking at Lucifer who used to be an archangel just like me. He's fallen. But even so, I'm going to let God handle him. See, there was a recognition of authority. When it says rebuke comes from a word meaning to rebuke another, but without any effect upon the person rebuke because they're not convicted of any wrongdoing nor brought to the place of confession. Satan was incorrigible and Jude knew it. So he used this particular Greek word, the Lord rebuke you. He used the Greek word, Jude did, meaning, I know you're not going to repent. I know that you're incorrigible. So may the Lord handle you. May the Lord handle you. Have you ever dealt with a person like that? Witness and witness and witness to your blue in the face and then finally you realize... They ain't going to repent. Not anytime soon. So you say, Lord, they're yours. Michael just said, you're the Lord's. You're incorrigible. You're never going to turn. You're going to burn. But the Lord rebuke you. And the Lord's going to. And that day is coming. And the devil knows it. Amen? So Jude knew it. So he said, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Now, the translation, can we read it together? We're headed towards the end. Let's read it. Yet Michael, the archangel, when disputing with the devil, arguing concerning the body of Moses, dared not bring a sentence that would impugn his dignity, but said, may the Lord rebuke you. It's powerful. This whole concept of honoring divine authority divested in a person is lost on our culture. Being able to recognize the authority of God on a person is lost. Listen to what the Bible says. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. 
So when that cop pulls you over, you don't say to him, are you good to your wife? Do your kids love you? Do you love your kids? What do you do on your off time? Do you? Who are you talking to when you talk to that cop? Authority. And if you don't know that, I'll be visiting you soon. Okay? I want you just to look real quickly at how Paul did the same thing that Michael did with Satan. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. When he said that, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Whack! He gets struck for doing nothing. Now here you're going to see Paul ticked. Look what he says. Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. Now, that's, that's fancy. It, it makes you want to just go try it, doesn't it? What would somebody do if you called him a whitewashed wall? What that meant was, you hypocrite. But he said, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall, you hypocrite. You sit there to judge me. Don't you feel the fire coming out of Paul's eyes here? You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck? Now, do you see he's mad? Do you see he's fuming? Do you see that he is striking back? But look what he says now. Look, those who were standing near Paul said, you dare to insult God's high priest? Now look at the change that comes over Paul. Paul replied, Brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, Do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. He went from whitewashed wall to brothers. What did that? Here's what did it. He didn't know that the guy who gave the command that he be hit, struck in the face, was the high priest. As soon as he learned that he was the high priest, he said, oh, then there is authority invested in you. And so I'm going to honor the authority even though you're not even living right. Just like Michael did with Satan, the Lord rebuke you. I'm not going to rebuke, the Lord rebuke you. He recognized who he was, his position in God. So God's, Paul's honoring the position. He's honoring the position. Just like you honor the policeman. Just like the referee on the football field was honored by the players when they could squash him, he just blows his whistle and everybody stops because authority is behind him and authority is greater than power. But these false teachers, verse 10, speak evil of whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally like brute beasts. In these things, they corrupt themselves. The false teachers do the contrary of what we are told Michael did even towards Satan. They speak evil of the spiritual world, those spiritual beings of which they know nothing. I mean, even Michael would not speak evil of a spiritual being though he was fallen. And now these false teachers are railing against a spiritual world they don't know anything about. Speak evil is again blasphemio, meaning to speak reproachfully, revile, or to slander. And Jude uses two words for know in verse 10. He says, these speak evil of whatever they do not know. Okay? Know is the word oida, meaning mental comprehension and knowledge, referring to the whole range of invisible things. 
They are railing against an invisible world they have no mental comprehension of. You people know more about the invisible spiritual world than these false teachers did. These false teachers have no comprehension at all of the invisible spiritual world, yet they blaspheme it. The second word for no is in verse 10, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. That word for no means to understand, and it's used to refer to objects of sense, the circumstances of sensual enjoyment. They know nothing of spiritual matter, matters. All they really know is instinctual, unbridled lust. That's all they know. They don't know anything about what we're teaching here tonight. They're ignorant of the spirit world. Just totally ignorant. I was watching TV, Kathy and I, you know her Judge Judy deal. She likes Judge Judy. And so we're, a lot of times those commercials just go on forever, so we'll surf. Have you ever gone into a trance? If somebody said, what have you been looking at? I don't even know. Well, anyway, we're just surfing through, and we don't have any movie channels at all, but we came across this limousine, and in the limousine is this gnarly, aged, old man named Hugh Hefner, and he's got blondes here and blondes there, tee just IQs at 60 or below. That's what it looked like. Now, they brought up the Bible. They brought up the Bible. And I'm, so I'm, I'm turning the volume up. I want to see what Hugh Baby is going to say about the Bible. And they asked some scriptural question. I forget what it was. And he goes off talking about it. And you know what he was? A brute beast. All he knows is what he's given his life to. There was no comprehension of the spirit world. And I thought of that when I read this. Because brute means without reason. And beast comes from the Greek word zoon, meaning a living being, an animal. And what Judah's doing is he's placing these false teachers in a class with unreasoning animals. Naturally means by instinct. We're going to close with this. Jude says that what these false teachers know naturally in terms of their instinctual sensuality, their immorality, by these things they are brought to ruin. It was such a sad sight to see this old man trying to look young, trying to keep up this ridiculous, crazy, immoral, destructive image with these blonde bimbos around him who, of course, we all know would not be within a hundred miles of him were it not for the money to be there. And it was just so tragic, and it looked so stupid, and it looked so sad. What's happened to him? He's been brought to ruin. I mean, the, the media may give him a free pass and let him continue this charade, but he's been brought to ruin. There's nothing there. The word corrupt is to destroy. Scripture's message to us is that the life of unbridled sensuality will be destroyed. Sex is good. We're all here because of it. Anybody here not here because of it? I want to talk to you afterwards. God created it to be enjoyed within the context of marital covenant. But when a life is turned over to following the dictates of the lower nature, 
obeying its sensual promptings as a way of life, it will result, guaranteed, in total ruin. You'll be ruined. This is what happened to these false teachers. And Jude is only warming up. Don't miss his sizzling descriptions of these false teachers next time. All right, can we stand together? Well, how many of you are enjoying Jude? Amen. It's good stuff. All right. Well, let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that as we read these things, we see for certain that there is a reward for those who walk with you. And Lord, there is a judgment for those who don't. And Lord, sometimes the judgment is just what takes place within our own character and our own nature. So we ask you, Lord God, help us to reach as many people as possible with the gospel. Thank you for the truth of your word, for the truth about the invisible world that we cannot see, but you have assured us is there. Thank you for the great day that is coming when Michael the archangel will shout and the church will be raptured. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your watch care over us. Lead us in the way of righteousness. Help us to glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen.